0: This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information.
1: Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Isabel Hardman. And it's time to say farewell to the national insurance hike that Rishi Sunak brought in as Chancellor. Today, his successor, Kwasi Kwarteng, has announced that it will be scrapped and the reverse will come into effect on the 6th of November. James, this isn't a great surprise, but obviously it comes in a day of uh, some quite gloomy economic news and ahead of uh, the the mini budget slash fiscal statement, don't call it a budget tomorrow.
0: Yeah, the budget by any other name, uh, or the quasi-budget, as we might call it. No, uh, anyway, bad joke's over. Um, but I, I think this is not a surprise that the government have decided to to do this. You know, this, is, this was one of the central planks of Liz Truss's leadership bid. And it is obviously designed to send a signal. I think the interesting thing is the government's insistence that the money it was meant to raise for uh, health and social care will still be there. Now... I think this is interesting for two reasons. One is that in the short term, it's obviously the money to deal with the backlog. But in the medium term, this was meant to fund the government's plan that people wouldn't have to sell their homes to pay for social care, which Liz Truss recommitted to on her trip to New York. And... There is, I think, a, a question about how that is going to be paid for because the experience of every other country that has introduced a similar scheme is that it becomes steadily more expensive over time and there is now no kind of funding line for it. Now, if you look at the the, 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 the Quartain Trust argument is they're just going to get the economy to grow faster and that will deal with the problem. If you can raise the growth rate of the economy to 2.5% trend growth, then lots of these problems go away. I think you see one of the... the Challenges in going for growth, though, today, in the Bank of England's decision to raise interest rates. Now, they've only raised interest rates by half a point. Three members of the NPC wanted to raise it by three-quarters of a point. But uh, I think it is still a sign that the bank feel it needs to do something. I mean, the other thing which is interesting is Jerry Lyons, who is one of the kind of architects of trustonomics, he wrote on the Conservative Home this week that he didn't think the bank should go ahead with quantitative tightening at the moment given how much debt that the government is going to you know, need to get away over the coming year. But the bank has said that it is going to go ahead with QT. So obviously the pace of that is not yet yeah, clear, but the fact the bank is going ahead with that I think is interesting. I always thought it was interesting in in exchange of letters to the government of the Bank of England. Quasi Quateng's argument is, look... I'm going to grow the economy and increase the productive capacity of the economy, and that is the best way to deal with inflation. I think you see, once again, the government's desire to basically say everything is about going for growth. That is their answer to all of these questions.
1: And James, just on that, so do we have a situation where the bank has its own approach? And actually, if anything, it seems to be rubbing up in a different way to what the government's wanting to do.
0: Yeah, and also remember the bank is is, is making a decision on interest rates without knowing in, in great detail what the government is going to do tomorrow. You know, how big is the loosening tomorrow? I mean, I mean everyone knows that the national insurance rise, that was no great surprise. Everyone knows corporation tax. Whether there are other things, and you've been writing about some of what those other things might be on Coffeehouse. You know, some of them, you know, you talked about the possibility of introducing VAT free shopping for foreign visitors to the UK. But there are other things that the bank, I think, will probably have more concern about in terms of domestic inflation, which is, you know, for example, are they going to bring forward the income tax cut either now or in a budget later this year? So I think the bank is uncertain what to do which i think is why it went for for half a point rather than the three quarters of a point that, that three members of the committee wanted but i think we see here this challenge i think also the other thing worth noting is government guilts have not had a great day-to-day now i think you one, one shouldn't read too much into these daily market moves especially as uh, gilts of lots of other comparable countries i've uh, also you know also finding the, the finding the yields i having to pay on them rising but i think there is a question it'll be interesting to see how the markets respond to the statement tomorrow and what we get about what the details are because remember we will not get an ovr forecast to accompany it
1: and of course we'll bring you a full update tomorrow when we do have the what doesn't seem to be too many but was being dubbed as a mini fiscal event tomorrow from the new Chancellor. Now, Isabel, in terms of things the government is announcing today, Business Secretary has given an update on fracking, but it hasn't gone down particularly well with all Tory MPs, has it?
2: No, which which is not a massive surprise given fracking is like house building. It's it's one of those things that Sounds great in the abstract until you discover that your constituency is sitting on a huge shale uh, reserve. And um, I mean, there are some MPs whose constituencies are over the the, the Boland Shale, which is the sort of particularly good bit of uh, fracking territory, who have been very excited for for quite a while about the prospect of, of the jobs that fracking could bring their area and the money that fracking could bring their area. But a lot of people in their constituencies are less excited or worried about not just the uh, environmental impact in terms of the sort of um, the blight caused by a sort of fracking plant, uh, but also uh, the seismic impact, the the potential for uh, mini earthquakes, tremors uh, and so on. And um, one of the ways in which the government has hoped to try, is trying to... um, encourage people to go ahead and back fracking in their area it is by trying to give them some kind of consent, probably not through a vote, though. And uh, this is one of the, the concerns that was raised by um, Mark Fletcher, who's the MP for, for Bolsover. He said, basically, he, he feels like communities are being bought off rather than having a, a vote on fracking. So I, I think one of the... One of the problems that Liz Truss's government is going to come up against repeatedly, and Truss acknowledged this during the leadership campaign, is that a lot of the things that Liz Truss and her colleagues think are necessary, such as fracking, such as increasing the number of homes being built to stop house prices going even higher... Those things are just not very popular with a lot of voters, with a lot of Conservative voters. We've obviously uh, had a promise from uh, Trust to look at planning reform again. um, She also made promises on solar farms during the uh, leadership contest. And so making these difficult decisions, as she's been talking about this week, is really difficult, which is why uh, it's something that the Conservatives have, have backed away from repeatedly over the past decade and a bit.
1: James, one of the things I've written about in Coffee House today, um, which I think links to both what Isabel is saying and also the fiscal event tomorrow, is the fact that Liz Truss and her government are in a hurry. And it's not just the fact that we talked about the election in two years, they need to show these things are working. It's also a sense that actually her political capital is probably at the highest or potentially the highest it's going to be this entire time and therefore they just want to push through all the tricky decisions the unpopular things at a time where they think they can get most of it done before either party management gets too tricky or events overtake do you think we are seeing a sense of that in the sense that you know you look at the obesity strategy, these var- there's lots of things going on right now, which can be mini fights in themselves, but they, don't, they seem to be picking many at once. So, I mean, there are two,
0: two things going on. I mean, your, I mean, your analysis is right, which is you never have more polit- political capital as a new leader after you've just won a leadership contest. I mean, you, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, there's another reason, which I think is she has sat in cabinet for eight years and she knows which decisions of the last eight years she disagrees with and wants to get rid of them. The sugar tax being a prime example. And then I think the fracking comes on. I mean, I think fracking is a very interesting question because in the leadership campaign, she said, you know, that she supported fracking where there was, where there was local support for it, as, as Rishi Sunak did. And, and, you know, we all said on these podcasts, well, it was an almost slightly absurd statement because there is nowhere in England where there is local support for fracking. What is interesting, I think, as Isabel was saying, is that, you know, that local support now turns into the companies that are fracking offering a sufficiently large financial inducement to the local community for the government to think that the local community should accept it. And I think you saw from the reaction of some of these Tory MPs, you know, including you know, Mark Fletcher, is worth noting, voted for Liz Trust in the Tory leadership contest. That doesn't work for quite a few of them. This is effectively, because of the period of national mourning, the first week proper of the Trust premiership. I was surprised how fruity some of those exchanges with Jacob Rees-Mogg were. And that, you know, these MPs weren't, it wasn't of the kind of, would my right honourable friend like to uh, reassure my constituents? It, 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 they were angrier than that, which I think is interesting. Now, I think the the, the point you raise so deftly in your in your blog about the fiscal event tomorrow is yeah. they they are obviously decided that they are basically going to pile mm. things into it, and, and as you say, it is going to be a bigger thing than the budget later this year. I think the question is, can they do this and get growth going? I was struck. I was talking to a Tory strategist who is fairly enthusiastic about the trust project, and he said, "Look, the thing that is going to do for them ultimately is time. The problem they've got is how quickly can you show results from this?" And I think that fear is why they are they are kind of, for want of a better phrase, they're kind of kitchen thinking it. You know, everything they think might do the job, they are doing now. I think, though, that is the strategist said to me that the, the thing is, you know, there is an appeal to a rising tide lifts all boats policy. You can make that argument. But it's much harder to make that argument when the tide is going out.
1: Now, Isabel, you're watching Therese Coffey, the new health secretary, laying out her plan when it comes to the winter crisis for the NHS. What reception did she receive? Were MPs more supportive of her than they were Jacob Rees-Mogg? Yes, they
2: were. I think the problem that Therese Coffey has is that it's too late to do that much that's going to make a difference for this winter and most of the things that are going to then fix the underlying big problems that the NHS has uh, that are behind the fact that the NHS is having a winter crisis and it's you know it's only September it's still nice and sunny outside and so on such long-term things um, that, uh, you know, you, you have to plan sort of, you know, seven years in advance for the number of doctors you're going to have and so on. So she's kind of stuck in this position where whatever she announced today in this plan for patients isn't actually going to make that much tangible difference to how bad things are going to get over the winter. So politically, I think, you know, the the Tories are still facing real difficulty uh, on the health service this winter. However, what she did announce was really interesting. So she's sticking to her patients' priorities of A, B, C, D, D, which West Streeting described as Sesame Street politics when he got up to respond, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, He pointed out there was no N for nurses, which is fair enough, given the uh, shortages of nurses in, in a number of different parts of the NHS. But uh, that's ambulances, backlog, care, which means social care, and doctors and dentists, which is the the two Ds. And on ambulances, she pointed out that actually 45% of these big headline grabbing delays that we're seeing outside A&E's where ambulances are backed up or, or where it's taking hours and hours for someone who's had a fall to get a paramedic out to them that's in just 15 nhs trusts so there's going to be a a real focus on on why that is the case in those particular hospitals on the backlog she she was talking more about the the sort of a, a laser like focus which isn't a policy but there we go care This is one of the really interesting areas. So she has announced a a £500 million discharge fund for this winter. And that was one of the the policies that was kind of hiding in plain sight, uh, as everyone was talking about over the past few months, you know, what can be done about the NHS, was something that had been done during the pandemic and had worked really well, which was providing more funding to get people out of hospital when they're medically fit for discharge, but no suitable care package could be found for them. And um, it underlined to a lot of people working in the NHS um, and in Whitehall that actually you don't have to accept bed blockers as they're unfortunately known as an inevitability. You actually need to put the money in to, to get them out of hospital to a place where they will be much safer than in hospital. It's not a particularly good place to be unless you're acutely ill. But the Treasury didn't agree with that analysis and stopped the money. So that's now being uh, reintroduced. It's not, you know, the biggest pot. It doesn't address the social care crisis overall. And Coffee made that quite clear that there will be more plans both on workforce and on um, social care reform coming up, not least because of this um Abolition of the health and social care levy. But I thought there was also a really interesting line in her discussion of the C of ABCDD, which was she's I'll just read you the quote, actually. She said that 500 million pounds acts as the down payment in the rebalancing of funding across health and social care as we develop our longer term plans. Which I think a lot of people within the NHS are taking as her basically saying this money is not new money that the Treasury is giving to us. It's going to be coming out of the NHS budget because we're going to be rebalancing where we send our money. Which is also interesting because that's something that West Streeting suggests in the interview that I've done with him in this week's magazine, and makes a lot of sense because uh, since the formation of the NHS, uh, as a uh, as a book that's coming out soon will explain, the focus has been on these acute care settings rather than on community care and on sort of preventive care, or at least less expensive earlier interventions that that stop someone needing going into hospital. The problem, obviously, and this is something that Streeting acknowledges uh, with trying to rebalance the cash, is that you still need to have an upfront investment in acute care because that's in crisis at the moment. So basically, you have to accept that you're going to be spending a lot of money everywhere, which is quite difficult to do. But it looks as though Therese Coffey is going to be doing quite a lot of announcing over the next few months if, if the hints that she dropped today are anything to go by.
1: Thank you, Isabel. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening.